Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. And I know there are seven or eight other podcasts out there in the world. So I really appreciate you listening to mine. Got a great special guest for you this week. Actually, this week and next, George Went, who plays Norm on Cheers, is with me. This week, we'll be talking a lot about the start of his career. And we'll get into Cheers. And then uh, next week, we're going to talk uh, even more about his time on Cheers. So uh, Norm is my guest this week, right here on Hollywood and Levine. Well, the first thing I got to ask you about is your nephew. Your nephew is Jason Sudeikis? Yeah. <laughs> wow. He's indeed my godson as well as my nephew. <laughs> anyway, Ted Lasso is your godson. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, He's my sister's oldest and uh, one of my four sisters. Anyway, so there's he's got oodles of cousins, and uh, but he's doing great. I, I love his new show. So what did you think you wanted to do when you grew up? Me? Yeah. No idea. Not the foggiest. There was really nothing that seemed like it would be in any way work-related that I would ever want to do other than have to do and so, uh, i took a, a a course you know like it was a requirement with some philosophy course i think ethics i want to say i'm not sure i can't remember the course what i do remember <laughs> is this uh young jesuit teaching us about um the uh, Mark, Karl marx's theory of uh or concept or whatever it was of uh, alienation, which I think what he was going for was uh, the workers being alienated from the means of production or something. But uh, taken um, in my case, I didn't want to be alienated from who I was or who it could be. And so I was determined, I, I boiled it down to I was determined not to do something that I hated. But I knew I had to do something. And it didn't occur to me till like about two years after I got out of college what it was. So you were in Notre Dame for like 11 seconds, right? Well, three years. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe 11 seconds total class time. <laughs> but, uh, you must no, have I, had fun, I, uh, though, at Notre Dame. <laughs> I had fun. I did. 
Um, I mean, we won the national championship in football my freshman year. And uh, so that was cool. And uh, that's all I cared about, really. Uh, I, I mean, I probably didn't really belong there. Um, I was a legacy. I mean, I, I tested well. My grades in high school were not, you know, where they were very mediocre. Um, but I tested well. My dad was an alum, so uh, I got in much probably like George W. got into Yale, uh, you know. With but you family. didn't attend many classes. Uh, one of my first memories is um, biology, freshman biology requirement or some science requirement. But um, and I was it was in the engineering auditorium and it, there's about 400 seats in the in the room. And uh, my first thought was, he'll never be able to take attendance. So I literally never went back to that class. <laughs> I only went to labs. And somehow I got a seat. So you find yourself in Chicago and you stop in at Second City. Talk about your introduction to Second City. Yeah, I was... Uh, in college, um, you know, I was, of course, born and raised in Chicago. Uh, but uh, my sister, uh, Kathy, Jason's mom, actually, uh, took me to uh, see Second City. And uh, it was, uh, it you know, it's one of those moments that, you know, well changed my life. Um, Did uh, you always know you company. were funny? It, it, was, uh, it was Peter Boyle and... Um, uh, Martin Harvey Friedberg and uh, uh, J.J. Berry. Uh, I can't remember who else. Anyway. Did you always know you were funny? Oh, uh, I was sort of funny at parties, you know. Um, pretty shy otherwise. I think alcohol probably <laughs> <laughs> probably uh, was my muse because uh, – you know, people said I'd never open my mouth in school. I was not a class clown, I, but I observed and I stole from all my class clown classmates. So what year did you first uh, enter Second City? Well, I started taking workshops in the fall of 73. Okay. So I'm counting that as the start of my quote-unquote career. Mm -hmm. So that makes it 48 years in this business, baby. <laughs> 48 years. These kids today, they're not funny. Tell me, I know what funny is. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, with the cigar. <laughs> so how long from the time you started workshops did it take for them to like actually put you on stage? Because I know it's really kind of a process where you graduate from level to level. Yeah, uh, back then, uh, <laughs> prehistoric times uh, at Second City, it was only there was only one workshop, and it was run by a woman named Josephine Forsberg, and uh, she had about fifteen students, I'd say, and um, that was it. So um, uh, I had some good classmates, though. Uh, Brandon Tartikoff uh, was in my workshop. <laughs> Was he really? Yeah. Yes, he was. Went on to become the president of NBC. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, Josephine had a little uh, show, showcase for her 
workshop students in this uh, Unitarian church uh, in Old Town there down the street from Second City. And uh, so uh, I was too green to be involved. I, I had no experience and, and uh, neither had Brandon. So uh, we, uh, we both wanted to be involved, but we weren't experienced enough to be in the show. So I volunteered to like set up chairs and, you know, folding chairs and break mm-hmm. them down after the show. And Brandon volunteered to like sell coffee and cookies, like at a little, you know, table. And um, one day, you know, this magnificent show, like this, uh, uh, Brandon and I were like on a high, even though we were just watching. Uh, and so I was breaking down the chairs and stacking them up and, Brandon's breaking down the coffee table, and uh, he said to me, one of these days, George, it's going to be me and you up there. And little did I know or dream that we would be up there, and it would be in front of, like, you know, 80 million. 84 million people? people. the hell <laughs> it was. Did you ever get into that show? Uh, yeah, I did. Brandon did not. He disappeared. And I learned later that, you know, he he got called by Silverman to go to New York and uh, work for him uh, he, at the time. See, I didn't know any of this. He was just a guy in my workshop, uh, a Yale guy, but a guy in my workshop. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and um, he, uh, he was a, a young executive at the Channel 7, the uh, ABC O&O, as they say, in Chicago. And um, then Silverman called him up to uh, the New York office, I guess. And so, for all I knew, uh, hey, whatever happened to Brandon? Oh, well. And then uh, years later, you know. Yeah, you figure, eh, that guy left, <laughs> that loser. He couldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> so what prompted you to move out to L.A.? Um. Really, it was uh, Bernadette, uh, my lovely wife, as you well know. Mm-hmm. Um, Who you met at Second City, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We met. Mm-hmm. We met well, it's good that 70s. you married her and not Peter Boyle. <laughs> um, and we, uh, yeah, we met in 76, uh, and then we uh, got married in 78, and then we moved to Chicago in 1980. What, what happened was Bernadette got a pilot that was shooting in... Um, L.A. And uh, so off she went, and um, uh, I was home uh, with the two boys and, uh, you know, working at Second City still. And she came back. It was like a two-, three-week shoot. It was pretty involved and uh, because it was a live show. It was was a sketch show. But anyway, uh, she actually came back raring to go. She said, I think we, we, we should move to LA because pe- um, agents and managers and people were um, very interested in telling her, oh, you got to come, you got to come out here. And um, I think there was a development deal in the works and things like that. And so uh, I have been at Second City at that point, 1980, uh, for six years. So, because uh, I, I, Joined the company in 74 um, after the, a year in the workshops. Imagine that. Yeah, it's quite a bit of seasoning, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Six years and, of yes and. um and uh yeah so uh i was like yes and let's go and uh off we went and um you know we just were insanely lucky yep you were doing some guest spots uh you did one on mash that's right (laughs) one on mash one on taxi um hmm, one on uh what's your uh soap Um, okay yeah. All right. So now it's 1981, and you get called in for an audition for some show called Cheers. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I I was on a show at the time. Uh, it was a Paramount show, oddly, a single camera sitcom from Gary David Goldberg called Making the Grade, and. Um, uh, I, uh, so we shot six of them and we were going to come on after mash, by the way, mm-hmm. it was, uh, don't mention after mash, but yes. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, they scheduled us on Monday nights at, uh, whatever that was, nine thirty or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, um, so I thought, oh man, we're on easy street, but, uh, we did not get picked up anyway, before I knew we didn't get picked up, uh, my agent calls, honey, they want to see you on Cheers. It's a small, really small role, but you like those guys. I think, you know, you should uh, you should do them a favor. It's uh, Remember, you did Taxi with those guys, Glenn Charles, Les Charles, Jim Burroughs. I said, yeah, yeah, they were nice. Um, uh, how, how small is it? She goes... Well, it's one uh, one line, really. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> it, well, it's actually one word. Hey, you know, come to think of it, it's one syllable. <laughs> and uh, oh, great! What what what's the word? And she goes beer. And um, so I thought, wow, I have to look like a guy who who wants to have another beer. That I can do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> the bit, the original bit that I read was um, a teaser. Oh, no, I'm sorry, a tag at the end of uh, the pilot where Diane had been hired. And then uh, so we go away and uh, we come back for the t- tag. And it's uh, Diane comes up and goes, hello, I'm your waitress. I'm Diane. Well, I'm not really a waitress. I'm really an academic. And on and on. She goes for like a paragraph as or two as usual. And then she goes, oh, I'm sorry. I should take your order. What can I get you? And I go, beer. She goes, beer, perfect. And that was the end of the episode. Um, so the late, great Stephen Kolzak, uh, our casting director, original casting director for Cheers, said, you know, that's really too small uh, for you to read. Why, we can't get a feel of anything. Why don't you read this one? And, and the character was George. And... Um, so uh, I, 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 you know, read it real quick, and uh, and you know, I went in and read that, and you know that was rather small too. But um, the best story is Ratzenberger's, um, where he went in for the same role, George, and uh, could tell it wasn't going well, and then he <laughs> he. Uh, said he he was well thank you yeah thank you thanks for coming in 
And he literally, literally this time does have one foot out the door. And he turns around and pops his head back in and says, do you guys have a bar know-it-all? And they said, well, no, what do you, what, what do you mean? And uh, he started uh, riffing us, uh, that character. And uh, they wrote him into it. I mean, so there you go. That's what's about. Did George become Norm then? Yes, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I seem to recall, because I was involved the week of the pilot. Yeah. And the pilot was incredibly long, and we kept cutting and cutting and cutting. However, we kept giving you a few more lines. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. <sighs> when did you know that you were onto something special? And I say that because, again, having worked on the pilot... Remember, there was one run-through where Jimmy had arranged for an audience to come and sit in the bleachers so that you guys would get a sense of an audience and holding for laughs and that sort of thing. And I remember, it was like on a Tuesday at four thirty, five o'clock, something like that, but the audience just went nuts for the show. And that's when I thought, like, real early on, like, Wow, we may have lightning in a bottle here. When, when did you get that sense? Um, well, I, just the uh, the bloodlines uh, with uh, Glenn and Les and and Jimmy, um, and Paramount, frankly, uh, and oh, the firepower Paramount put behind uh, Cheers was, uh, you know, the, it was uh, it was so much fun to have. Uh, yeah, all these legends with overall deals at Paramount coming in, you know, one day a week. It was crazy. Anyway, yeah, we, uh, had, so, we had David Lloyd. We had Jerry Belson. Oh, I know. I mean, that it was, was amazing. Sitting in that room, I felt like I was in the Algonquin round table. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's really, it was remarkable. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, knowing the bloodlines uh, and Paramount was gold at that point with Gary Marshall had all those hits and, uh, you know, uh, MDM seemed to have moved uh, lock, stock and barrel over there in a way. Um, and uh, in between Taxi and, and Cheers and whatnot. But uh, uh, so I, I, I had a good feeling about the show. Although, you know, I, I had a good feeling about Gary Goldberg. Too, <laughs> and, you know, uh, so that showed Don't go by you. Guess. Sorry, I remember we were filming in the summer and we started filming like the end of July, beginning of August, and the show didn't premiere until the end of September. So for the first five or six episodes, the audience coming in to see it obviously did not know anything about the show. And we showed them like a 10 minute uh, clip of the pilot to sort of orient them. But still... I recall one time standing on the floor with you and there was a norm entrance and it just died. <laughs> and you said to me after the take, like, what are we doing? These things are dying. And, and I said, the audience doesn't know yet. This is a running bit and they're coming in the middle. Trust me, these norm entrances will work. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that, um, so, uh, 
honestly, uh, you know, I was thrilled that we got our back nine, you know, because we were. Were you nervous because our ratings sucked that first yeah. year? Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. I thought, you know, 13 was, we were saying goodbye to everybody. And, you know, then even the next year, we were like nervous about a pickup for rough, you know, year, season two, uh, back nine. And, but really, once Cosby, I mean, look, we knew the show was great. We got three or four or five Emmys the first year. Mm-hmm. But um, really, you know, after Cosby uh, just, you know, blew up the whole evening, um, you know, then, then I realized, oh, boy, this could be, this could be just, you know, a, a long-running thing. At what point did people start yelling Norm to you on the street? Which was probably a signal that, you know, I think the show is catching on. (laughs) Um, uh, I don't remember. Probably one of the earliest ones was uh, a truck driver in New York City uh, just really blasted that air horn at me and hung his head out the window. And... um, you know, up until then, it, it, you know, Cheers was a, an odd show. It was a sitcom where, um, you know, we had the truck drivers, but we also had, you know, a very distinguished-looking gentleman uh, with salt-and-pepper beards and glasses and tweed overcoats. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it was, it was quite a – went between classes, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. Well, and the same thing on the show where you would have, you know, blue collar, you know, civic servants and um, and Frazier and, you know, people who were were psychiatrists. Okay, so now I got to ask you the obvious question that you're always asked, but I got to do it. Uh, Tell me about the beer. (laughs) What was the beer? (laughs) Yeah, well, um, (laughs) You know, uh, Jimmy felt the cast might get sluggish if uh, we get real beer. <laughs> he was correct. And, uh, like, I'm sluggish anyway. You know, like, I don't need um, help uh, in that regard. <laughs> but uh, so it was Kingsbury. There wasn't a lot of choices for non-alcoholic beer back then. Uh, like, now there is. Um, and it was Kingsbury Brew near beer. And it came in cans, um, and it was from Cincinnati, I believe. And uh, they didn't want it to be in cans. They wanted it to be on tap, and nobody made it on tap. So they had to use soda pop dispensers. Uh, So they poured cans of beer into soda pop dispensers well before we shot. So it was completely warm and flat. Uh, at time, you know, to shoot. Mm-hmm. And they go, hmm, we don't like the way that looks. It doesn't look good. So the prop man had to put a pinch of salt in every beer mug that was on the set. Uh, so whatever one Sam grabbed would have the salt in the bottom. And um, so it was warm, flat, salty, near beer. So How uh, many would you drink for an average episode? You know, probably in the early days before I wised up, it would be <laughs> I'd probably drink two or three of them. And, uh, but then I, I figured out when the cameras were nowhere near, uh, you know, pointing at me, 
uh, that I didn't have to sit there and drink as if I were on stage or, you know, in a, right. You know, in a one giant master all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember taking a sip once and going like, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, when Jim Burroughs, the director would say, um, okay, well, let's just do another take of this, which normally, so what? But if the take meant you got to drink another beer, like, oh, God. Well, there are a couple <laughs> Please, of... Please, uh, let's get this on this take. <laughs> yeah. Please don't anybody screw up a line. <laughs> there were a couple of uh, chugging gags, uh, which was pretty fun. <laughs> but, what were some uh, of your favorite episodes? Well, you know, I don't know why... Other than it was just really fun to shoot. I don't know. I just related. I related to it, but and it's not just because I'm on your show. Uh, but um, jumping jerks um, was the one where we the boys all decided to go skydiving, and we mm-hmm. all chickened out. And I'm pretty sure it was Levine Isaac. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And um, thank you. It had one of my two favorite jokes of the entire series. Um, and uh, uh, maybe if you'll indulge me, I'll share both of them. Um, yes. Uh, but in this episode, it was um, we all go skydiving and we all, boys, and we all chicken out. And we go, we can't go back and tell people we chickened out. We got to, you know, we got to, yeah. So we need to tell a story, uh, but it, we got to make sure we don't get crossed up with our story. So it needs to be very simple and, and believable. Right. Simple and believable. Simple and believable. And Sam goes, I've got it. We jumped, the parachutes opened, and we landed. Simple. Believable. Right. So we go back to the bar. Oh my God. Oh, I never felt so alive. That was amazing. (laughs) You know, like, and, uh, and Rhea's going, what happened? And we're going, Oh, you're kidding. It was great. great." And she finally grabs Woody, the weak link. And, uh, she corners him in the corner of the bar. She goes, Woody, what happened? And he goes, what, what? We jumped the parachutes open and we landed. It was all very simple and believable. (laughs) And, Whenever somebody says simple, I always say believable. Um, but um, what's, the the, other what's your was, other uh, favorite joke? That's the other favorite joke of, of the entire run. That might be my first, but um, the other one uh, was also uh, Levine and Isaacs. It was Bar Wars, and, and somebody had kidnapped Woody. Uh, they did. They kidnapped Woody, the bad guys. And uh, we're like going, geez, I wonder how he's doing it. And we see in the background, we see in the background he's being lowered down. He's bound like Houdini and lowered down by his feet um, into the, the stairwell. And we run, oh, my God, it's Woody, it's Woody. And he's going, <laughs> and because he has gaffer's tape on his mouth, we can't understand what he's saying. He's going, <laughs> he's trying to tell us something. <laughs> we'll take the thing. <laughs> we rip the thing off. And he's like, rip the tape off. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb as, as wood and yet so smart. 
Okay, that'll do it for part one. Next week, more Cheers talk with Norm himself. That, of course, is George Went. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister Butler, to Howard Hoffman, to John Wolford and Bruce and Jason Miller. I have an email address, should you wish to get in touch. That is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Again, that is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. I'm on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. Uh, I have not been posting lately on Instagram, but uh, I'm going to get back into it. I apologize. Also, I am on Twitter at Ken Levine. So again, next week, more Cheers talk with George Went right here on Hollywood and the Vine. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.